0: Man, it is good to see you here today. Happy Mother's Day. Glad you're all here. See a lot of families here. See some moms joining with us as well. So thanks for being here. Thanks for everybody also worshiping online this morning. Man, wherever you are, we're glad that you're worshiping with us. Uh, man, I'm glad to be back with you. Thank you all for letting me be out last week. It was good to get away uh, for a week, but I missed you guys and I am glad to be back. Uh, but grab your Bibles if you will. Let's go ahead and jump into Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. We're actually going to look at the same passage we were at last week. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 is where we'll be in just a second. Really appreciate Clay being here to lead us through as we continue in our series uh, Living in the Spirit. We're learning what does it mean to really live in the Holy Spirit? What does that look like on a day-to-day, a moment by moment, an hour-by-hour basis? And I hope that over the course of this series you're really beginning to sense that change. You are recognizing him in your life. Uh, but we're going to continue that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 in just a moment. While you guys are turning there, uh, I don't know about you, uh, but I am not a lawn guy. Uh, Is that like your thing? Like, are you're a lawn guy, a lawn girl. I know for the, some people, that's like their thing. It's like to really like take care of the lawn. Maybe you're a gardener. You really love to to garden and plant and, and do all of that. And that has just never been my deal. Uh, now, now don't get me wrong. I mow my lawn, right? I can mow, I can edge, I can weed eat. I can do all the basic stuff. But I've never really gone beyond that. You know, where you like go to Home Depot and you get all the chemicals and you do all the thing year round and you, you make everything look exactly how you want it. Just, I just never got into that, I just, I just didn't get it, right? But that's changing in me, and I don't know what's going on, right? I'm becoming a lawn guy, like that is becoming something I am getting enamored with where I want to know things. I mean, it used to be, like if you ever seen somebody like, like aerate their lawn, like where they go through and they pull up all those little plugs and they leave them out there, it used to be when I saw that, I would walk by and go, who messed up your lawn, Right? <laughs> Like you got a bunch of little plugs, like like you know, like who did that? Who, like, do you have an armadillo problem? Was your lawn attacked by just a herd of angry chihuahuas? Like, what is this? Why are all these little things littering your lawn? Why would you do that? And now I walk by and go, ooh, they aerated their lawn. That's going to look great in like a couple weeks. Like, what's happening to me? How is this happening? Now I want to go to Home Depot and spend lots of money and watch YouTube videos and figure all these things out. I'm like, going, it's just weird. I don't know what's going on. Just check in with me about that. But I've asked myself the question, like, why, why is this happening? Like, How is it that up till now, I have just not been a lawn guy? And look, the the two houses I had before the house I have now just didn't have much of a lawn. There wasn't much lawn to to keep up with. So that was one reason. But I think the bigger reason was I'm just very impatient. I know that shocks most of you, right? I like to see things fast. I like to see instant results. I want to see things happen immediately. You mow your lawn, you see instant results, right? And so I like that. But once you get into fertilizing, all those different things, man, that that doesn't happen immediately, uh, those things take time. I mean, it takes time to really kind of put down the right fertilizer and plan out when you're going to, to do it and make sure it gets watered in the right times of day and in the right seasons. and You've got the right grass and the right stuff. I mean, there's just a lot of thought that goes into that. But as any of us know, when you see somebody who really knows what they're doing, they can take any sort of lawn and over the course of a few weeks and a couple months, you see this transformation, of a lawn that looks dead to a lawn that is beautiful. You see flowers that are growing. You see plants that are growing. I mean, it's just a beautiful transformation that takes place. Meanwhile, I'm running around in my backyard pulling up weeds and trying to figure out what's going wrong and got bare spots and all this other stuff. I can mow it, but but I'm just constantly tackling little problems. But in the hands of a great gardener, uh, you can watch this amazing transformation into a healthy, beautiful lawn. I'm trying to learn what that looks like in my backyard, but what would that look like when it comes to our souls? What would it look like for there to be a beautiful transformation in you from where you and I are right now into the men and women God wants us to be? What would it look like, not just in your life, but over the landscape of this entire congregation? If when people walked in, over time, they saw this beautiful transformation occur where all of us became the men and women, the congregation that God wants us to be. The good news is we are in the hands of a master gardener and that is exactly what he is doing in us and he's going to do that through the person of the Holy Spirit. Look, if you've been with us, we've been learning a lot of different things. A few weeks ago, when we started, we learned about the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it is to our advantage that he physically goes away and sends us the Spirit. He comes and dwells inside of us. If you are a believer in Christ, you've surrendered your life to him, he lives in you. The week after that, we found out you can be led by the Spirit, you can hear his voice. That doesn't just come to a select view, you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so hopefully over the few past few weeks, you've been trying to learn, what does that sound like? Well, how do I discern the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life? If he's leading me, what does that look like? Week after that, we found out you can be filled in the Spirit. This is not some second blessing. You have the Holy Spirit, but you might have lost the filling of the Spirit, We can be filled with Him. In fact, we ought to be. It's how we ought to be living. God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit, and so we can walk in that filling. And then last week, Clay walked us through this passage that says we can live by the Spirit. We can walk by the Spirit. This week, we're going to find out, though, that there's a purpose to this, that something that God is doing, not just in individual instances, but... But he's actually doing something over the long term. He's trying to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so let's read this passage once again. I want you to hear what he says. Verse 16, uh, Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these who are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by this Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, You see these words, and Clay marked these out for us last week, but all through this passage, you see them all, these these metaphors piling up. We are to walk by the Spirit. We are to be led by the Spirit. We are to live in the Spirit. We're to keep in step with the Spirit. And all of those really mean the same thing. If you stack them all together, he's saying, look, this is a present tense reality, We are to be walking in the now, in the present tense. We are to be keeping up with the Spirit. Hopefully over the course of this series, and particularly in this passage, as we live in the Spirit, you're gaining a better sense of the imminence of Christ, that He is with us now. He is in us now. He's not just back there at your salvation or ahead of us at our glorification. He says, no, now, through the Holy Spirit, He is in us And he is wanting to interact with us, not in just isolated experiences, but on a continual basis. We can walk in him. We can live in him. We can be led by him, and we should be. How does he do this? He does this through the person of the Holy Spirit who is living inside of us. But then he gives us a list, and Clay went through a little of this last week, but you see a list of the works of the flesh. Sexual immorality, sorcery, rivalries, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, all these things uh, together. This is the opposite of walking in the Spirit. These are the works of the flesh, and they are against the will of the Spirit. I can't walk in the Spirit and walk in things like this. But then in verse 22, he gives us a different list. He says, here is the fruit of the Spirit, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a good list to memorize. Just to to kind of let those sit on you to say, listen, this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to produce in my life. It's not just the things that we're avoiding. God is doing something in us through the Holy Spirit. But I want to focus on the, these fruit for just a second and point out a couple things right off the bat. First thing we need to recognize about these fruit is that this fruit is supernatural. This fruit is supernatural. When the Lord is talking about love, joy, peace, and the like, he's not just talking about run-of-the-mill love. He's not talking about run-of-the-mill peace, run-of-the-mill patience. This is fruit of the Spirit. Did you notice that it's a capital S there? He's not just talking about vaguely spiritual things. We're talking about Holy Spirit-derived qualities. So this love is supernatural in origin. It is coming from the Holy Spirit. You could probably figure out some some patience on your own or some self-control on your own. People do that all the time, but these are the human versions. They're they're weak. Over time, they will fade, but, but these are the supernatural versions This is love, joy, peace, patience that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's important because it means it's not dependent upon my personality. You see, I think for many of us, when we read a list like this, we go, Adam, I got a couple of those, but a couple of those, "Mm, that's just not me. That's just not who I am, right? You say, Adam, I'm just a little bit hot-headed. I really can't do the whole patience thing. Adam, I don't, I don't have the gift of mercy. I don't. can't really do the kindness thing, right? So I, I can do a few of these, but I'm just not really going to be able to do the rest of them. Anytime we say, well, I'm kind of blank and so I can't have blank, you have misunderstood the fruit of the Holy Spirit because these aren't dependent upon us. These aren't coming from our personality. They're coming from the Holy Spirit. He's the one building these. He's the one bringing them out of us. So it doesn't matter what our personality type is. We can have all of these things. It is not okay for us to hide behind our Myers-Briggs letters or our Enneagram number or our disc profile or whatever animal you are associated with or whatever personality thing you like. And look, I like all those things. Those are great. But we don't ever get to say, well, because I'm this, I don't have to have that. It does not matter. These are supernatural qualities that God is bringing about. That's a good thing. Here's the second thing we need to understand, though. These are qualities and not incidents. These are qualities and not incidents. I think when we think about the Holy Spirit, a lot of times we think about incidents, do we not? We think about that worship service. We think about that time he spoke to us very clearly we think about the time that, that He empowered us to do this thing, and all of those are movements of the Holy Spirit. That's great, but the Holy Spirit doesn't just come and go or show up and, and leave. He's here the whole time. And so when you look at these qualities, these fruit of the spirit, notice that they aren't incidents, they are qualities. This is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. These are character traits. These aren't things that come and go. These aren't things that happen sporadically. No, this is who we become. This becomes our very nature. The Lord is transforming us from the inside out to be like Jesus Christ. That's what he's asking of us. And so when it comes to spiritual fruit we shouldn't just be looking for individual instances of love or or peace or this or that we need to be looking broadly it says what is my character what is really happening in me holistically because God is trying to transform me from the inside out because if, if you're not careful, then what we end up doing is, is we just assume that because we've had some instances of, of love or peace or patience or goodness, that that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But that's not really the case. I mean, anybody can be good sporadically. I mean, do you know how many hardened criminals love their children? Take a guess. You know how many hardened criminals love their children? Most of them, maybe not all. Okay, you know, <laughs> I'd say most. I'd say most hardened criminals love their kids. They don't love your kids, but they love their kids. But they've also done some really bad things. They keep doing really bad things. Look, we can't excuse any of that, but they've done a couple good things too. That doesn't excuse all this other stuff that they're doing. Guys, we can't look back and say, well, I did that one loving thing, so that means I'm loving, right? I had patience at one time, so that means I'm patient, right? I was kind that one time, so that means I've got kindness, right? Now, anybody can have an incident. We got to step back and look holistically. What is the fruit of our life? We'll look holistically at our life. God is not trying to help us in individual instance to change. He says, no, what, what's the overall tenor of your life? P.S. This is why Paul got all over the Corinthians. The Corinthians had amazing incidents, right? Their worship services were awesome. Their worship services were electric. They had incredible incidents with the Lord. But during the week, my goodness, they were just horrible, They're sleeping around with the temple prostitutes. They're suing one another. They got divisions against one another. They're ignoring one another. I mean, they're just getting it wrong all throughout the week. Paul says, I don't care what your Sundays look like. If Monday through through Saturday, you're not walking in the Spirit. We can't simply look at incidents. We got to look at qualities. Am I being transformed? Thirdly, we are to have all of the fruit of the Spirit, There's an interesting thing that happens here you can't see in the English, but when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that word in the Greek is singular and not plural. We are not being told to have the fruits of the Spirit, but the singular fruit of the Spirit. We look back on that earlier list of all those vices and we just say, okay, look, I don't struggle with this or this or this, but I got a problem with that and that and that. But I don't think anybody has a problem with all of these. And so surely when it comes to this second list, I'll have, you know, I'll be good with a couple of these and not good with a couple others, but I don't need all of them, do I? Actually, Yes. The Holy Spirit is not interested in giving you one or two of these qualities. He wants to give us all of these qualities. When it comes to spiritual gifts, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks, those you only get one or two of. No one has all the spiritual gifts. We just get a particular gift, maybe two. But when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, we get all of them. God wants to build all of these in your life. No matter who you are, no matter what your personality is, He wants all of these to be in your life imagine what that would look like. Imagine if you became a person who had love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know who you'd start to look like? Jesus. John Stott makes that observation in his book where he says, look, when you put all these fruit together and you get a picture of Jesus Christ, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is making us more like our Savior, But we don't get to pick and choose here. We get all of these. But then finally, let's look at the fruit themselves. And look, I could spend weeks just kind of breaking down every single one of these. But very quickly, let me just kind of break down just kind of what this fruit actually is. First off, you have love. This is the Greek word agape. So this is not man-centered love. This is not just emotional love. This is not mushy love. This is divine love. This is the kind of love that God has for us, a God that is, a love that is selfless, thinking of us before himself, and in the same way that God loves us, that's how we are to love one another. So love is agape, peace, this is, or joy rather, joy comes from being loved by God, I am accepted, I am adopted, I am forgiven, I am transformed, I have become a son, you may be a a daughter of God, he's adopted you into his family, and because of that, that doesn't just give you fleeting happiness, no, you have this settled joy that just kind of courses through your life, regardless of your circumstances, there's a joy underneath because of who I am in Christ Jesus. We have joy, then there's peace. This is the shalom of God. I have peace with God. There's no enmity. I don't ever have to worry about him getting angry at me or throwing me away or, or saying, you've done too much. Guessing, all condemnation is gone. I have peace with God through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection. I have full peace with God, which ushers in this, this shalom, this, this glorious peace that I get to live in. And there's patience This means that God's love is is not kind of on an up and down plane, it's steadfast. He is long-suffering, regardless of what you and I struggle with. No matter how long we struggle with it, the Lord is patient with us, much more so than we are with ourselves or with others. The Lord is patient with us, and he's building that patience in us as well. Kindness. This word is probably most closely associated with another word, just grace. We're talking about the kindness of God. We're talking about a a grace that God gives us in kindness. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. He does not run to and say, well, you've earned enough love from me. You've earned enough attention. He says, no, I just give you grace. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. I just give this to you. The fruit of the Spirit in us is that we would have this same attribute of God, that we would have kindness towards one another. We would give grace to one another. Next is goodness. This word is interesting. Just like in English, the Greek word here can mean a lot of different things. We call a lot of things just good. I mean, that's kind of a, a generic term you can throw on anything. But this particular Greek word is probably most closely associated with generosity. When he's talking of goodness here, he's talking about being generous, there's a passage in the parables where Jesus says, uh, he's talking about it, just kind of giving his money away and just kind of sharing his, his wealth lavishly. And he talks to somebody who, who says, man, why didn't you pay me more? He says, man, is your eye evil? Are you envious because I am good? And in that context, he's talking about generosity, In the list of vices, envy was one of those lists. It's the same word from that same passage. And so this is the opposite of that. Instead of being envious, miserly, we are generous. We look for ways to give. We look for ways to be generous. Faithfulness. This one, too, can be a little bit tricky. Uh, Typically, when we see the word faith in the New Testament, we're talking about our beliefs. Beliefs of the things that we have faith in, the things we believe. But this is different. This is more of a character trait. This is being faithful or dependable. Are you somebody that people can lean on? Are you somebody that people can depend on? Are you the kind of person that people can trust and say, hey, listen, you, you are a faithful friend. You are a dependable person. Do, do people think of you when they think of somebody that they can call on in a pinch and know that you're going to be there for them? Are you faithful? The next is gentleness. This is a hard one for Western culture. We typically don't like this term. Um, But it has a rich history, especially uh, back in Roman times. Aristotle does a full treatment on this word and what how they wrestled with it. But this word gentleness uh, really doesn't mean being nice. It doesn't mean being soft. Uh, It's most closely associated with anger under control. So to be gentle is not to be passive. To be gentle is actually to have some very strong passions, but for those passions to be under control, You don't pop your top. You don't let things just kind of boil over. You may have strong feelings, but on the outside, you're still able to control that. That is gentleness. Jesus will describe his own heart. It says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. And so he says, listen, he has strong passions himself, but he is always gentle with us. It's strength that's under control. And then finally, self-control. So I thought we just did that one. Well, this is a different word. This one is probably more associated with sexual impulses of saying, Hey, listen, you've got to keep that under control. You need to be able to control yourself. These impulses by themselves are not good or bad, they're natural, but you need to keep them under control. Sexual immorality and all those other things, first off out of the gate of the list of vices. It's all through the New Testament, but when it comes to self-control, to say, no, I'm going to follow the Lord and how he tells me to live, these are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so think about these now love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control is this how someone would describe you when people think about you is this how they would describe you i think for many of us we would say a little i mean maybe in a few of these yeah but a few of these oh i don't i don't know I don't know if that's really kind of what I need, uh, I mean, how people would describe me. And so the question becomes then, okay, then how do I get this fruit of the Spirit? How do I produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives? And so I'll give you three things this morning that will help us in this regard, three things that I think are necessary. The first is this, we need to evaluate what our lifestyle produces. We need to evaluate what our lifestyle produces. And remember, we're not looking at individual incidents. We're looking at patterns. We're looking at the long-term. We're looking at overall, what does my lifestyle produce? What's the fruit of my life? Our life is producing fruit at this moment. It always does that. But what kind of fruit is it? Like evaluate your lifestyle and say, okay, what kind of fruit results from the life that I'm living? Like take something like busyness. Pre-pandemic, we were all pretty crazy busy. All right, what does that busyness produce? What fruit did you get from all that busyness? Well, probably more money. But were you more loving? Were you more joyful? Were you more patient? Were you more kind? Were you gentler? Was that getting produced? Or or did we find ourselves in more of a strain? During the pandemic, maybe you got to slow down. And you saw some different fruit being formed and go, oh, wait, I have a different lifestyle and that's producing different fruit in my life. Man, what do I need to learn from that as we step back into somewhat of a normal life? Do I want to go back to that busyness or not? What about your time on social media? Maybe you got stuck in the pandemic and said, well, what else am I going to do? And now you're on Facebook for three hours a day. Well, what's that producing in you? That's a hard question, Right. What is three hours on Facebook a day producing in you? Are you more joyful? Are you more loving? Or do you find yourself in more fights? Do you find yourself in dissensions, rivalries, envy? Do you see which list we find ourselves on? We got to evaluate the fruit of our lifestyles and say, what is, what is really happening with the way I'm living, what I am doing? What is it actually producing in my life? Jesus actually teaches us to do this. Look what he says here in Matthew chapter seven. He's gonna speak to this. He says, listen, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. so the Lord says, listen, we ought to be looking at our lifestyle. says, evaluate this. See what you see. And is this really what you want to be producing? We don't get to excuse a lifestyle of sin because every now and then we do a good deed. We can't look at our lives and say, well, well, listen, I I said that one encouraging thing. Well, that doesn't excuse a a pattern of of foul language, of course, language or abusive language. Well I was generous at one time, well that, that doesn't allow us just to kind of spin profligately on everything else, just because I, I spent well on this one thing. Don't look at incidents, look at patterns, and say, "What is the fruit of my life?" And furthermore, if you see good fruit, ask yourself this question: Is it growing? Are you growing in love? Are you more loving? Are you more patient? Are are you gentler? Are are you seeing this in increasing qualities in your life? You might say, Adam, I see this fruit, but is it growing? Don't, Don't let that get stagnant just because we've had success in the past. we got to evaluate what our lifestyle is producing. But here's the second thing. We need to sow to the Spirit. We need to sow to the Holy Spirit, See, at this point in a sermon like this, when you hear about the fruit of the Spirit, many of us are going, fine, okay, I'll be more loving. I get it, I get it, thank you for the reminder, I got a little off track, okay, I will try to be more patient, I promise. I will try to be gentler, I will try to do these things, I see, yes, you're right, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it, stop, preacher dude, I got it, I will work on it, okay, message received, I will go try to have the fruit of the Spirit, It's a good intention. The problem is, it doesn't work like that. You can't actually produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. It can't be done. Fruit is just not the kind of thing you can produce. Think about it this way. How many people on the planet can actually produce fruit? Think about the kinds of people who can produce fruit in this world. The number of people on this planet who can produce fruit is zero. There is not a person alive who can produce fruit in this world. Like, Adam, that's ridiculous. I go to the grocery store and buy produce. People are producing fruit. They're producing things. Surely people are growing things. No, they're they're not producing fruit. Any farmer can tell you this. No farmer can make anything grow. Well, then what are they doing all day? They're not making things grow, they're creating the right conditions for growth. Farmers don't make anything grow, the earth makes things grow, God makes things grow. But they till the soil, they protect the soil, they they protect, they sow the right things, they create the right conditions for growth. And when they create the right conditions, then growth happens by itself. The distinction is incredibly important. Paul will actually make that distinction right here in Galatians. We're here at the end of chapter 5, but just a few verses later, I want to show you Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. It's just a few verses down. Listen to what he says. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. This is the eternal truth that every farmer knows. You reap what you sow. Whatever you sow, that's what you reap. Farmers can't make anything grow, but they understand this. I can actually plant the right kind of seed. I can make sure it gets the right kind of fertilizer. I can protect that thing. I can, I can plant it at the right time of year. And I know what kind of crop I'm going to get. I can't make it grow, but I can create the conditions that are optimal from growth. And I will see a certain type of crop because you reap what you sow. This is what the Lord is telling us. He said, listen, the Lord is not telling us, hey, go build fruit, go make fruit. Instead, he says, no, I want you to sow to the spirit. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the Holy Spirit, well, that's when you see spiritual fruit. Which you might say, fine, you're just changing the metaphor now. Well, just how do I do that? I didn't know how to build build the fruit, but but how do I sow to the Spirit? What does that mean? What does that even actually look like in my day-to-day reality? And Jesus actually speaks to this too. I I want to point you to a passage in John 15. It's one of my favorite passages. In fact, for the past few weeks, and I'm going to do this throughout the series, I've been just reading John 14 through 16 for my quiet times. If you've been with us in the series, you know that we quote a lot from that because there's just a lot of teaching from Jesus about the Holy Spirit. So you might want to do that too. You could read a verse a day, a chapter a day, a, a paragraph a day. When you're done, read it again. There's just a ton of teaching about the Holy Spirit from Jesus right there in John 14 through 16. But right in the middle of that passage, right in the middle of all of these words about the Holy Spirit, you get John 15, and he talks to us about spiritual fruit. And I want you to notice what he tells us to do. He's going to talk a lot about fruit, but listen to what he tells us to do. Verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. That's like a gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It's a long passage, but did you hear what he said? He says, I want you to bear fruit. I want you to bear a lot of fruit. I'm actually going to prune you so you can bear even more fruit. We should be producing fruit, but not once in the passage does he say, go bear fruit. Get out there and make some fruit. Make sure you're bearing a lot of fruit. He never tells us to do that. Instead, he tells us one thing. What did he say to do? Abide. Abide in me. Abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. He just keeps saying it. He's not telling us to make the fruit on our own. He says, no, so to the Spirit, abide in me. The more we live in the Spirit, the more we put our focus on Christ, we are being led by the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit, we live by the Spirit, we keep in step with the Spirit, the more we keep our gaze on Him and we dwell in Him, guess what happens? fruit naturally forms. It'll take care of itself. You cannot help but produce spiritual fruit when we are living in the Holy Spirit. And so the goal is not to try to do this on your own. The goal is to sow to the Spirit. This is why we come and gather and worship every week. We encourage you to be in the word daily. This is why we want to pray. We want to keep our eyes on the Lord. We want you to be involved in spiritual relationships, to be encouraged by brothers and sisters, to be in community groups and Bible studies and men's and women's groups and the women's conference and all these things that we do. We want you to have an opportunity to sow to the Spirit because if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. Now look, the question is not if you are sowing, the question is what are you sowing? Because we're all sowing seed every day. We are sowing, sowing, sowing every day. Every day we're sowing things into our lives and it will produce a crop. So what are you sowing? This is where you have to look at what are you, what are you drinking in on a day-to-day basis? What information are you drinking in? What entertainment are you drinking in? What relationships really dominate your life? What passions, what, what, what activities, what hobbies, what things are you doing? What are the things that dominate your life? What are you sowing into your life? Because whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Whatever you're sowing into your life, that's what you're going to reap. And so the way to produce spiritual fruits is simply to say, Jesus, I want to live in you, and now I can. I don't even think you can understand John 15 without John 14 and 16. God, how could I abide in you if you leave? Why? Because I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. I'm going to be with you, not just on Sundays in an hour, not just at community group, but everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit, God himself, lives in you. You can abide in him. You can live in him wherever you go. And so he says, if you abide in me, guess what? You will bear spiritual fruit. And so let's sow into that. Let's say, Jesus, I want to live in you. I want to focus on you. If I will sow to the spirit, then I will bear spiritual fruit. But here's the third and final thing. We need to be patient. We got to be patient. This is not an overnight process. I told you, I'm impatient, right? So when I'm learning all about lawn stuff, I'm going to go to Home Depot and spend a bunch of money. I'm going to watch a bunch of YouTube videos. I'm going to go home. I'm going to sprinkle stuff on my lawn. I'm going to wake up the next day and go, why isn't it working? To which everyone will say, it doesn't work like that, man. It takes some time. Give it a week. Look, spiritual growth does not happen overnight. You may say, you know what? I'm in. I got to start sowing to the spirit. I got to change, man. I got to change the way I'm doing things. That is awesome. This is not going to happen overnight. Spiritual growth takes time. Spiritual transformation takes time. And you and I are going to have to be patient. If you and I are not patient, then we fall into the same errors that Clay talked about last week. On the one hand, if you say, Adam, this is just taking too long. You know what? I just don't think this will ever work in my life. I'm just going to give in to the temptation. Look, look, God, God will forgive me. I'm saved. I'm not going to hell. And so, look, he'll forgive me. It'll all be fine. But I just don't have the time to wait for all this spiritual growth. Look, yeah, you can give in to the temptation. And yes, if you're saved, you will not be lost, but you will reap corruption. Think about the prodigal son. When the prodigal son came home, he was accepted. He was loved. You know what he didn't have anymore? His inheritance. It was gone. Dad doesn't even have it. It's squandered. He doesn't get that back. Look, when you and I give in to sin, we might still be saved. But guess what? You are reaping corruption. You are stealing life from yourself. You are incurring wounds that will hurt you and your family and the people around you for for years, maybe generations. Hey, man, when you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You're not going to lose your salvation. But man, that impatience leads to death. It also leads to death on the other side. You may say, listen, Adam, I just can't wait for God to do this. I'm just going to help, okay? I'm going to do it. I'm going to make myself better. I'm going to make myself more loving. I'm going to make myself more patient. I'm going to make myself more kind. You will accept my kindness. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to make this happen. And that's how you get legalism. When everybody just tries to do it on your own and then you become the older son. Older son didn't do anything his younger brother did. You know what else he didn't get? His father's love, his father's compassion, his father's grace, his father's joy. Very efficient and miserable. Okay, legalism also isn't gonna help you. If we wanna see spiritual growth, I'm gonna have to be patient with myself to say, God, just, just fix me, heal me. I'm gonna abide in you and you do your work. I need you to change me. You've got to change my heart. you got to change who I am. I cannot change myself, but Lord, you can. And if you ever despair and say, yeah, but Adam, I just don't think this is gonna work for me. I just don't know if it'll ever happen for me. I may be too far gone. This can't happen. Don't you understand? If we were relying on you, that might be true, but we're not. You have a vine dresser. You have a gardener. God himself is working in you. And this is a supernatural process. He is committed to it. He says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the day of Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter how long this project takes. He is going to work in you to help you become like Jesus Christ. He will do this in you. Nobody is far gone. Nobody is is beyond the ability for God to bring you back. If we will simply be patient and say, God, will you work in me? Well, you change me, but I surrender to you. I'm going to sow to your spirit, but you help me grow. You got to be patient. But you can't just be patient with yourself. You ought to get, also got to be patient with everybody else because we're all growing alongside of you. See, here's the deal. Nobody in this church walks in fully formed. Did you know that? Not a one of us, when we walked in, could say, well, I'm all good. I just want to polish a couple things. We are all works in progress. Look, I've been with you guys 10 years, and I hope I, y'all would say I'm a better pastor at year 10 than I was in year one. I'm a work in process as your pastor. And here's the deal. I hope that we'll all say I'm better 10 years from now than I am right now. But that means that you got to endure me growing along with you. It also means I have to endure you, all right? We have to endure each other. We have to be patient. We have to grow. Because guess what? We all have areas of immaturity. We all have areas where we're failing in, areas where we need to grow. And that means we're going to have to be patient with one another. Now, that is not a happy concept in this culture, is it? No, the internet has taught us to instantly judge someone forever based on one comment that they make. Somebody makes a comment on the internet, oh, they're amazing. I believe everything they said, 100%, all in, they're awesome. Or somebody makes one comment on Facebook, they are dead to me. I can't believe that they would say that. I don't need any more context or know anything else about what they've done in their life. It does not matter. Write them off. That sounds rational, doesn't it? That sounds normal. It's not. Because we're all growing. Growing. And nobody gets things 100% right. And guess what? Nobody gets things 100% wrong. And we got to be patient with folks as we're struggling through this. Now, look, that doesn't mean we ever condone sin, ever. You don't call sin anything other than sin. But it does mean that we're patient with our brothers and sisters as we grow along. And we're going to have to give that patience to one another in this room and say, yeah, man, they got some rough edges, but man, so do I. But the Holy Spirit is working. Man, if you want to see somebody change, do this. Pray for them. Pray for the Holy Spirit to move powerfully in that brother or that sister. Pray fervently, daily. Don't go running off and yelling at them at Facebook if you haven't spent time in prayer for them. Not against them, for them. You see that point? See that difference? God, you better fix them. How about, God help them. How about that? What happens when we pray in the spirit and say, man, this is my brother, and my sister. I want to pray for them. You know what begins to happen? A transformation occurs in a soul. I've watched many of you change over the years. I've watched things in your personality change and shift and become more Christ-like. You've seen it in each other. That's what we ought to see. That slowly, over time, this miracle happens, this transformation of the entire spiritual landscape of this body of people that we would become more like Christ. And when that kind of spiritual fruit gets born, it changes us and it changes everyone we live around. And that is exactly the long-term work that the Holy Spirit is doing in us. May we sow to his Holy Spirit. So, bow your heads with with me if you would. I don't know where you are this morning or what you might be wrestling with. I'm not going to ask you which parts of the fruit of the Spirit you really feel like you're doing well with or which parts you feel are lacking. But I can tell you this you're not alone. We've all got room to grow. We've all got things that the Holy Spirit is working on in us. The question is, man, am I going to just keep doing what I've been doing? Am I going to keep sowing to my flesh? Or is it time to make a turn and say, Lord, I can't fix me, but you can. And say, Lord, I just want to sow to your Spirit. I want to live in you. I want to live being led by you. I want to hear from you, know more about you. I want to be awed by you. And Lord, as I live in you, you will produce your fruit. And so, Lord, today we just choose to sow to your spirit. Lord, maybe we're, we're thinking about in the times in our past where we knew that happened. We were consciously sowing to your spirit. We saw that spiritual fruit, but, but we got busy or wounded or distracted. And that's just not where we've been sowing of late. And so, Lord, today, we're so grateful that you don't decide to come back once we determine to to listen to you. You've been here the whole time. Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you lead us by your spirit? Would you open up our eyes to the glory of Jesus Christ, of just how much we're loved and saved and adopted. How secure we are in you. The amazing joy that you're giving to us. Would you keep our eyes, life, and heart focused on you? We need you, Lord. And so help us. Speak to us. We choose today to sow to your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Stand up with me if you will. Let's worship together this morning.